As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, we're back on About Them Cowboys. Took a little break to come down from the season, physically, mentally, prepare ourselves for a crazy offseason, physically, mentally. We're going to get that started here on this episode. I'm Kent, joined by the Athletic Zone, John Mishoda. Sod's off covering the Dallas Stars. Make sure you're checking out his work there. And we've got, from the freak, of course, Kevin, KT Fun, offseason, Turner. What's up, KT? Hello, Kent. Good to be back, boys. It's uh, been too long. Um, I'm looking at right now our About Them Cowboys 2023 predictions page. Let's see here. We'll start <laughs> with Kent, Man, I was... Super Bowl champion Cincinnati Bengals. Uh-oh. Kevin. I think Super I had Bowl. the 49ers in there, though. Super Bowl. Yeah, you had them in the, in the Super Bowl. I remember that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you had Bengals 49ers. Kevin had Jets and Cowboys. Never again. Oh, no. <laughs> Never again. Let's remember that. Um, yeah, I thought it was the time. I just, the, <laughs> let's now prove it. John's been trying to tell me this for a long time. Let's see, we had Sod, Chiefs and Cowboys. Chiefs winning. So Sod, there we go. John had Bills and 49ers with the Bills winning. So, you know, not too um, far off besides me. Uh, that hurts, but you know, you know, I didn't think Aaron Rodgers would get hurt. And then, if he doesn't, what do you think happens for them? Yeah, right. Like, they, well, if you look at all of our predictions, it was a classic NFL year of a lot of different things too. Like, I was looking through some of these things. Like, you can't predict any of this stuff. You can try. Gambling no. is not a good way to you know spend your money. Although I do like doing it, uh, but. Um, what have you been doing, John, since the season's been over? You got the big Super Bowl win. If you did ch- tell us it was Chiefs and 49ers, I don't think anyone would have been surprised or anything. How have you spent the last month? Uh, you know, trying to uh, figure out ways to write 
uh, articles that might get people excited about the upcoming season. So that's, uh, that's been a tough, tough task there. It's kind of hard to put a real positive spin on this upcoming season, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that and some other personal things, you know, but it's been good to kind of get away and maybe, uh, not have to go in the office every day. So I'm not complaining. And you've still had, you know, uh, plenty of coaches and, uh, covering that beat, uh, a little bit closer since it's not just like everyone's coming back like it was last year. Um, you look at everything that's happened. I think, I think I, I feel like there's like a narrative like, oh, they're going to regret regret letting Dan Quinn go. It's like, no, they didn't let Dan Quinn go. Dan Quinn took a job. Like, you can't, so it's almost can't even like compare Mike Zimmer and Dan Quinn, but that's you know going to happen because we're human beings. So let's start there, man. Mike Zimmer is your defensive coordinator, and we haven't had a chance to talk about that on the podcast. Your thoughts on the hiring, his opening press conference, and uh, what you've been able to gather in the last month or so. So going back to what you said about Quinn, I think Dan Quinn is an excellent defensive coordinator and any team would be fortunate to have him, but almost in a way of, cause I, I feel, I feel pretty similarly about Kellen Moore, but almost in the way that I felt about Kellen when they moved on from him and, and Mike McCarthy decided to take over Colin plays. I think Dan Quinn moving on is good for everyone because if you just run this whole thing back, I just don't like the idea of that at all coming off of the way that they played in the playoffs. I just think that's a, that's a bad thing because it's going to be tough to get that taste out of your mouth because that didn't just disappoint in the playoffs. That's, that's one of the biggest, if not the biggest playoff disappointments in Cowboys uh, franchise history, not just recent. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I still look back on it today and I can't put my head around any of that. And so because of it, I think it is a good thing that they, you know, Dan, Dan got the Washington job. They go in a different direction at, at defensive coordinator. They bring in Mike Zimmer. And I feel like the two things that that people point to with Zimmer, if they're going to be critical, would be his age. And with his age, meaning, you know, he hasn't coached the last two years in the NFL. And then the other part would be the fact of, oh, will he fit today's NFL and today's type of player where you can't be those type of guys that you're, you know, getting on the guys and screaming at them all the time and being a hard ass like, like that's somehow, you know, how Zimmer's going to be with this team and not evolve. And I get why people say those things, but I'm also kind of like, well, well, why is that a bad thing? You know, I mean, with the way that season ended, why not bring in somebody that might shake things up, might might yell at the guys a little bit about some things. Something has to happen. Something has to change. You can't just sit there and go, hey, hey, guys, we just had one bad day at the office. Let's just run this thing back. I mean, no, there's something that has to be changed here. So I think Zimmer is a, is, is a good hire. I think Zimmer is... I don't think that you can get a better hire out of what was available and uh, the people that they interviewed and where this team is right now, you know, bringing back Mike McCarthy. I, I don't think that they could have done a, a better job than Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I think so. Isn't it amazing? And I don't know if that's just the, um, the world we live in where offense might seem a little more exciting than defense. We always have like more, we always have more hard opinions on who's calling plays on offense rather than who's calling plays on defense. Unless, unless the defense is just getting torn up, and then you know immediately we ultimately, as humans, resort to fire this guy. I mean, I saw it in Green Bay, the team that just you know beat the Cowboys in the playoffs. I mean, the last two months of the season, it was fire Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator. You know, and they kind of had a good last month on defense. He still got fired, but it's kind of funny how there's a little more passion on who's calling plays on offense, which is fair, I think. 
But when I look at Mike Zimmer, there's a couple things that I like about it. I don't think losing Dan Quinn's good, but I also don't think that was a choice, right? Um, so, like, I kind of compare it to the Jalen Brunson thing. A lot of people go, well, the, the Mavericks could have kept Jalen Brunson. And I'm like, well, they could have, but they also weren't offering Jalen Brunson the, uh, you know, star of the team role. And the Cowboys weren't offering Dan Quinn the head coach job. So he went and took another job. And if you have Dan Quinn or Mike Zimmer at defense coordinator, I'm not sure any of that's going to make a difference on how on the win total of next year's teams, at least at least drastically. I think Mike Zimmer brings that hard ass element, which is good. I think I like that. And I think just changing a couple things to always keep people on their toes is good. And I think you can get very comfortable, especially in this franchise. And I think changing stuff like that is is good. Uh obviously his, his opening press conference got a few uh headlines. You know, he mentioned I think he mentioned uh, social media. I think that was just the term that came out. And it's like, okay, well, and I don't know. I don't think he, I don't think he meant to be specific to anyone, but maybe he did. (laughs) I don't really know. I personally don't have a problem with Micah doing a podcast or CD Lamb going on Micah's podcast. I think it makes our jobs more fun. So it (laughs) it does. It does. And I don't either. But with that being said, I do understand when people do have a problem with it. Yeah. I do think of it as being something that could potentially be a distraction and and something that isn't necessary uh, when you're coming off of the disappointing end of a season that they had on, on a team that was talented enough and had the pieces in place to make a Super Bowl run and to lose the way that they did. And then, boom, you're right back off doing, you know, social media podcasting, you know, being at the All-Star game, stuff like that. I think a lot of fans that are frustrated would have preferred to see uh, players be maybe more similar to like Dak, where... Dak doesn't go to the Pro Bowl. Dak didn't do any of the interviews on, on media. We haven't heard from Dak since the season ended, you know. But Dak is also eight years of this, whereas Mike has only been in three. So, you know, maybe it doesn't bother him as much. And honestly, it makes me go back to uh, late in the season. Uh, C.D. Lamb was asked. Uh, I can't remember exactly how the question was. But it was basically about fans being frustrated with how long it's been since this team got to the Super Bowl. And C.D. said, no offense to the fans, but... We nobody nobody out there wants to get to the Super Bowl more than we do. And I remember when I tweeted out that quote, there was a lot of response from Cowboys fans saying like they disagreed with them because of how long it's been and how long they've been fans and how much disappointment they've had. Where you really don't have that, even if you are on the team, if it's only for three, four, five years that you've been around it. When you've been around it for 15, 20, 25 years, I mean that that beats you down, you know, where you don't care about oh, little wins and big, you know, during the regular season and big stats you care about making a deep playoff run because it's been so long and then you respond like that in the playoffs all it does is throw fuel in the fire for fans that are frustrated yeah and i I agree with you on that and it's like until we see like a quarterback do like a weekly podcast like that's where i think like that's when the bubble will burst right like i think i'll hit a point of like holy cow i can't believe he had time and then like okay they follow through with their commitment and uh, quarterback X here as CJ Stroud does a weekly podcast or whatever. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't think he'd do that after a three interception game. And so then people start going, oh, if he would have spent that hour of, you know, getting ready for next, like you can't win kind of in that thing when you lose. <laughs> right. And you can only win when you win. And Micah, the way Micah does his podcasts, I always feel like he's just seeing a bigger picture of like the way he talks. You can tell that he does get caught up in the first take Stephen A. Smith, you know, yelling shows. 
Because you can just tell by the way he's like setting it up, like he's almost like he's like he's one of those TV analysts. And but I enjoy so, it. I love it. He that he'll kind of say whatever. And I'm sure they've told him. I'm sure they've slapped him on the hand a few times. Like, hey man, don't have to do and, that. And because of those guys, I think that 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 is motivation to players. That if because here's the thing, like when you talk about the anybody can do a podcast like that. You just have to have the will and the want to, and Mike obviously does, and his personality fits that. And so, yeah, there will be quarterbacks that do it, and there will be, I mean, this this isn't going away, but it's funny because you bring up the Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, like those morning shows and stuff like that. Those people have become such celebrities that, I mean, such a big part of sports, way bigger than we ever thought that somebody in, in this business would, that that also makes you sit there and think about, well, yeah, obviously he's going to play in the NFL and maybe plays in the NFL for 15 years or whatever. And, but he's setting himself up for after NFL too, because who, who's to say that he can't be one, have one of the biggest podcasts and you see the money that a Pat McAfee makes or a Joe, Joe Rogan makes and things like that to where it's like, um, I can see where a player is coming from of like, Hey, let me do this because this helps build my brand. And fans would not care if the Cowboys were winning, they would be all about it because I mean, well, actually, I can't speak on it because I don't I don't really know too many Chiefs or Eagles fans, but mm. I find it hard to believe that Chiefs fans are very critical of of Travis Kelsey doing a podcast with his brother every week that's wildly successful and dating Taylor Swift when the team's winning Super Bowls. They probably don't care about that. And I don't think the Cowboys fans would care either if the Cowboys are coming off of having just played in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1995. So uh, that factors in as well. But I also get Micah's side of it because he does enjoy doing it. And it could be one of those things where, hey, man, maybe this this leads to something you know bigger than football after football. I know Cowboys fans don't want to hear that. But also the podcast that he did uh, a couple of weeks ago with C.D. Lamb out, out at the Pro Bowl. I mean, those are some pretty interesting answers that C.D. gave. And it was in a really relaxed environment. C.D. was eating food. And so because, funny. <laughs> yeah, so because of that, I mean, I'm telling you, like, he let his guard down and said some things that he's not going to do. Like here, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I'll give everybody that's listening to this. I would say 90% of you probably know this, but I'll say it for the 10% that don't. Public relations wants all of the stars to stand up at a podium. Because if you stand at a podium, a lot of times in a raised you know, stage type thing, and you're looking down at everybody and, and people are firing off questions and looking at you in that type of a setting when you're just kind of, like standing in the front of the class, you're going to be way more guarded with what you say. When you're sitting down, eating food, chilling, things like that, you're going to give, you're going to have the most, that's going to be the most candid. You're going to let your guard down a little bit. You're going to give way better answers. That's why most PR teams don't want players being interviewed, just sitting at their locker because they can be relaxed and they can say some things that they come back and go, man, yeah, I believe that, but I really wish I wouldn't have said that because now it kind of <laughs> looks bad for this or whatever. They want everybody going up to podiums for all, all the star players and all these teams. It's way better for the team yeah. when that happens because your in answers aren't going to be as interesting. No, that's interesting. If you want to interview somebody, like you're writing a book or something like that, you want to deep dive with somebody, go out to dinner with them. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, it's like, it's almost like to Micah, and this will probably be seen as a bad thing. It's almost like Micah understands like, no, I play for the Cowboys. We're the biggest thing. And it's, that's what we do here. Like now, like he was offered if Mike is not a good player, he's not asked to do this podcast, by the way. Like he was offered by Bleacher Report, probably. And, you know, but it's like, I do think he does like, yeah, we are the Cowboys. We are, we do make headlines. That's, that's what it is. I understand that. I'm about that. Also, just because you brought it up, the CD Lamb eating 
a bowl of pasta on the podcast, and he's making a point, and he takes the fork and points the fork at the microphone and kind of at the audience, at the camera. I love it. It mm. was a, it was a complete dad move, and I just thought it was beautiful. <laughs> the finger pointing while chewing on your food and making a point. Beautiful. <laughs> so more food on the Michael Parsons podcast in the future, please. All about it. McCarthy, get in there, smash some watermelons. Have a have a blast. It'll be awesome. So, I mean, I the, the Mike Zimmer thing, I don't know how much, like, from a schematic point, uh, A, they're not going to, like, reveal a ton of those details, but you can do kind of have the track, track record on Mike Zimmer. That's the one knock that I have, is I almost wanted a guy, and trust me, I did not have a list of names ready to go, but I almost want a guy that you don't have as many tendencies on but who knows maybe he's been to the barn for the last couple of years and he's you know ready to do some things he's never had a defensive player like Micah Parsons he'll probably tell you that maybe DeMarcus Ware <laughs> maybe <laughs> you know so like it's interesting you said though KT because he had a lot of success defensively with the Vikings I mean the Vikings were a good team when he was their coach and he obviously would have brought tendencies there from when he was the Cowboys DC before and so the one thing I will say about that is that, yes, everybody's going to have their tendencies, but I think it changes a lot when you have a completely different personnel because there's certain things that you're just going to do or not do because of the new personnel. And so because of that, like, for example, if this was a rebuild and they were going to build the defense like from the ground up right now, like let's say this was, let's say 2021, they were moving on from Mike Nolan and now they're going Zimmer and he was going to have his hands in that, like everybody that they added. I might feel a little bit more like that, but it's like the pieces are already there that I think that people are going to have their own tendencies on the Cowboys anyway, because of Micah, because of Deron Bland, because of Trayvon Diggs, like you kind of know Demarcus Lawrence, the key pieces there. So now he gets to come in and kind of put his own spin on it because I don't think he's going to do the exact same things here that he did when he had, you know, Daniel Hunter or Everson Griffin or Anthony Barr or, you know, whoever else the standouts on defense yeah. in Minnesota. You know, I was thinking about like his. Didn't Neil Hunter deserves to be, I guess, in this conversation? But his like best defensive players he had, he kind of had one at each level. Eric Kendricks for for a few years at mm. linebacker, and if I'm forgetting another That's linebacker over that time, but Harrison Smith at safety for sure. You know, to play. I mean, he he had that. And he he took a lot of shots at you know cornerback, uh, and I, I I think uh, the way they were structured that he had a little bit of say and kind of the drafting process up there in Minnesota in those years. Uh, probably not any, not like a Belichick, but also probably a little more than the coach might have here. Uh, although the coaches do get a little bit of say here, it does seem. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's just a couple of things I was thinking about. I don't even know it's even worthy of being a, a, a criticism or a knock on him. I think it's just like a thought that I had is like, I just don't want us. I don't want teams to know what you're going to do. And I don't know, like the Jordan Love, <laughs> now we go, we go to Michael Parsons podcast again because it is a cranker of content. But Jordan Love sitting there telling him, we knew we were just going to run the ball on y'all. Like that was damning. And I mean, he said it. Like, and Jordan Love, you could tell Jordan Love got, he kind of got sucked in by Micah's charm because you could tell Jordan Love didn't want to say it. But he even said, I don't want to say it, but it, like your linebackers, you know, you guys had safeties, defensive backs playing linebacker. 
And there's a problem. Casey, you would have said that after that game too, though, without yeah, even talking so. to Jordan Love, you would have said this exact. I mean, that I felt like those are things that are just that were standout anyway. And and, and, and well, back to your point on the zipper. I mean, oh, no, no, yeah, it was wild. But back to the Zimmer thing, real quick though, I want to also ma- mention. When you talk about bringing in like a younger person, let's say that this is their first DC job, while they will not have tendencies that are out there, when the ass hits the fan, I would rather have Zimmer because he's seen so many other things. So there's positive and negatives yeah. to both things. Whereas a younger man, when all of a sudden someone might have you figured out, you might never be able to to, to throw a change up because you're so used to doing things like, oh, I thought this was going to work and now it's not working. Whereas like Mike Zimmer has seen probably everything that you're going to throw out there at him. You kind of want to be quicker, quicker to the punch to make a uh, adjustment. I think might be an overused term, but like, hey, this game plan didn't work. What are we going right. to do about it? I need an answer now, and that's where I kind of and I'm going there. And yeah, if, if he's ready to do that too, I also think like Mike Zimmer. When people are going to knock his age or whatever, I'm like, dude, Mike Zimmer's a little different. Like Mike Zimmer is just trying to be a badass and win games. Like he's not. His age, I don't think, is going to come into play much anymore than if the defensive coordinator was 35. And for some reason, I think differently on offense when it comes to that type of stuff, but that could just be some NFL trends and things like that. Um, so, you know, you also you lose Joe Witt. Um, you lose uh, Durday. So you lost some some coaches, made some uh, coaching changes, so a little bit of uh, the administration changing on defense. And this team – Left a lot. When you get beat in a playoff game and you go at 48 points, I think change is good. You know, so it comes down to that. Yes. I, I do wonder, are things different if Leighton Vander Esch is healthy, if they have uh, overshown all year? And you can ask all these what ifs, but every other team had people out as well. So it just comes down to like that specific game. The Packers knew what they were going to do to you and they did it. And you couldn't stop it. And that hurts. That's, a, that's the thing that sucks about that game so much from a Cowboys standpoint. It's like, even if you did have those guys, it was such an ass beating that you're just like, would that have really mattered? I mean, everything breaking it down to this guy not being out there, this guy not being out there. Yeah, that stuff matters to me. If like you're talking about the Niners in the Super Bowl could be saying something like that. But when you just get absolutely owned at home by that Green Bay Packers team, man, that's the that's the reason why I I think at minimal you needed to to make some change at, at a coordinator spot. So I came back after that game when we were doing this podcast months ago, and I ended up with the you – know, you have all these thoughts in your head, but I ended up with just the conclusion of, I guess just run it back. And you know what? If this uh, game happens again in 2024, then, well, I just hope that the Cowboys get ahead in that game. <laughs> you know, like like it's almost what it was going to come to that anyways. You know, but to get dismantled like that was just – I guess a little more. I just just it kind of showed your bottom a little more than just a any old standard playoff loss. Also, and then, and then also you were that, two, and they were yep. seven. And you were you were so great at home for two seasons in a row. Yeah, I man. mean, there's so many levels to it. Uh, Dak, CD, Micah, your three pieces that this this foundation of the entire thing is built on. None of them played well in that game either. And those are the all three that you're talking about giving monster contract extentions to. Like, there's just so many levels to just how bad it was. It's still, to me, every time I think back on it, I'm like, I can't think of a worse Cowboys loss. Yeah, no. I brutal. can't think of one. They're not since I've covered the team, that's for sure. And I can't think of one even really before. Now, I've brought this up to other people, and they've mentioned that uh, when they lost to Eli and the Giants, and I'm like, yeah, at least that, what was that, 21-17? At least that game yeah. was close. 
like to just get dominated from right at the beginning. And the only like, one that comes to mind for me is the losing to the Texans, who had literally never played an NFL game before, and yeah, in their first franchise game. Remember that one? I actually thought of the Matt Flynn ago. game where you were yeah. up like. 28 to three or whatever it was. I just think with those teams, they were never like good enough that you really thought that they win the Super Bowl or could compete for the Super Bowl where this team was pretty healthy. Got lucky that Philadelphia fell apart towards the back end of the season. And you kind of looked around, you're like, Oh wow. Cowboys are going to win the division. That's crazy. And then lines up perfectly with how, like, again, we've said this a million times on the show. Like if it was any other year, I really wouldn't even be beating the, the whole like home field to death because there hadn't been any other years where I really felt the way I did about this past team at home, where I was like, man, they got a legitimate home field advantage with the way this team plays. This is crazy. I did not think this would happen. And then for it to all of a sudden be like, oh, well, we're going to get a chance to play a playoff game at home and we're going to be the two seed. And then to do that on top of it, there's just so many levels to it that I just, I can't think of anything worse than this one. And it's in two games where the 49ers, the team you're kind of like, not scared of, but the one team you're like, okay, they're they're pretty clearly better than us. They're they're the team I don't want, maybe. And see them almost get beat twice. I frankly should have lost to both the Packers and the Lions, but some plays happened and and plays weren't made when Brock Purdy delivered the ball to the hands of defensive backs. Oh yeah, never mind. No, <laughs> I mean, hey, why why are you touching? I'll just throw this in here since we're going off topic. I think that that stuff factored in with that whole Steve Wilkes being fired too there. It wasn't yeah. just the Super Bowl and and like some some things they didn't like in the Super Bowl. They didn't like the way that things went against the Lions and the Packers either. So that yeah. I think that was a combination thing. And, and was it all Steve Wilkes' fault? No, but somebody was going to have to take a fall there because it wasn't just about that Super Bowl game. Like that would have been able to cover up everything else. But I promise you when they left both of those games, they were pumped that they got wins. But when they were sitting along, like alone, let's say it was – Lynch and Shanahan and whoever else, you know, higher up in that organization, they were looking like, well, why was this game like this? So I, <laughs> I think there's a lot more that factored into that. And also because of that, that's another reason why you should feel sick about that Cowboys loss, because it seems like if you were going to get the Niners, this is going to be the year to do it. John, when I'm going to, I'm going to step away from the Cowboys for a minute on about them Cowboys, but I love talking football with you. I was thinking about well, we're going to talk about free agents here, here in a minute on the podcast too. So everyone just hang tight if you uh, you want to get your um, your appetite wet there when it comes to free agents and things that the Cowboys could do. I was thinking about Brock Purdy a lot though on this run, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not going to be the guy that tells you that Brock Purdy's not good. I'm not going to do that. I think he's clearly fine. Yeah. All right. I started thinking about other guys and uh, like available quarterbacks splashy things because they have changed quarterbacks a lot up there, sometimes out of necessity. And I don't know. I I don't think he's got a ton left, but maybe like Russell Wilson's looking for a home. And I was just looking at like ha- available people who would be immediate upgrades of the 49ers. And I don't know that Russell Wilson is an upgrade at this point over Brock Purdy, but at least it had me, it had my head turning a little bit. Yeah. I would say with that, and I don't know this to be true, but it certainly seems that way is that where Russell Wilson's been seems like he's pretty much lost the teams. Yeah. Whereas with San Francisco, that team seems like it really backs Brock Brock Purdy. And I wouldn't mess that up. I mean, Russell Wilson would have to be more talented than he is for me to, to mess it up because I don't think he's like, he doesn't have Stafford's arm. 
he doesn't, he's not Mahomes when plays break down. You know what I'm saying? Like he'd have to be really special for me to try and do that yeah. the, to overcome the, man, this is weird. Like things just don't seem to go well for him. And it seems like when he gets to the end of that run, wherever he's at, that no one around there is really that upset to see him go where, you know, you look at a lot of these other teams, like, you know, like with the Cowboys, you bring it back to Dak. Like I know that there's fans out there that are just fine with the Cowboys if they were to move on from Dak. But I can promise you that there are a lot of people on that team that would be stunned if that happened because they do not look at Dak Prescott like he's the problem at all. Whereas I bet you it seems like there's a lot of people that think in Denver that Russ was was a problem there or was part of the problem. And judging by what people said when he left Seattle, it certainly seems that way there, too. Don't you think Kirk Cousins would be good in San Francisco? Yeah, I just don't know if that's an upgrade over Purdy. I'd still roll with Purdy. Yeah, I think they would, I mean, the two from a salary standpoint, too, and allows you to do a lot of things. But I just said, I mean, they, they obviously not get it in the Super Bowl is not a bigger deal. To me, if two, um, th- there's three plays that jump out one in the Lions game and two in the Packers game of just like throwing the ball to the chest or the hands of the defender and them not making the play that kind of would have swung the game. You just think about those things. It's like, man, okay, is Brock Purdy going to get better and stop doing that? I don't Who know. Who doesn't, though, really? Outside of Mahomes. Yeah, maybe man, you're right. I, yeah. I just feel like a lot of guys do that. That That's just the difference. I mean, I'm a big Stafford fan, and he definitely does that quite a bit. He did it even in that the year when they won the Super Bowl against San Francisco. Jack <laughs> did the loss. Remember Devondre Campbell dropping yeah. the one in the hands around the goal line? Yeah, uh, man, it's tough. I would just be... See, like the Cowboys, I kind of thought that they should shake things up a little bit more this offseason. Whereas with the Niners, I'm like, no, I really think the Niners are close. I, I would be hesitant to try and really mess that thing up too much. I think you could do a lot more bad than good if you did that. I would, I'd keep running it back with Purdy. Um, speaking of Dak, are we expecting a contract extension to happen before the season? I would, I think so. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where what, there's nothing that Jerry has shown you over the last 10, 15 years that makes you think that he's going to be willing to go into the 2025 season with a major question to market quarterback because Dak Prescott's playing for the Steelers. I just don't see him allowing that to happen. And so if they're committed to Dak, then why wouldn't you just get the deal done? And yes, that obviously that there are different levels to it because they want Dak to sign at this number. Dak's going to probably want to sign at this number. And it's going to take up a huge part of the cap. I get all of that. I'm not saying that this is just a cut and dry, obvious answer. But for me, I just, I cannot see, I cannot see this team. And I also would not move on from Dak Prescott. So I would be surprised if we get out of March and he doesn't have a new deal. Because frankly, I don't know how you make any significant moves to upgrade the roster if you don't get him signed to a contract extension because you need to move his money around on a, on a new deal so that you can sign pieces and add pieces in to make another run at this thing next year. If you just l- allow him to play out this final year of his contract, you're not going to be making that many moves on the roster. I don't know why anybody would think next year would be anything better than what the last three have been. No, I'm in the same boat right there. I, to me, it's, you're kind of where you are and the upgrade is not there. Unless you were serious about like, getting your foot on the gas in the draft or whatever. Like that's the only way that you were even talking about anything outside of Dak getting extended and his money getting moved around. So 
Because like, I'm, okay, so a year from now, if you didn't re resign him and, and he's about to head to free agency, so you got a chance to resign him in free agency because obviously you'll be a, an mm -hmm. attractive place. Uh, I don't believe that if he doesn't, like they let him play the season out and things went well, I, I, I would think that he'd want to stay in Dallas. So you'd still be in play there. But like, what's your leverage? Are you going to try and say, all right, well, then if you sign elsewhere, then we're going to, we're going to sign, we're going to keep Trey Lance. Like, no. that's the answer. It's where it's like, it's almost like, and if when you're as close as the Cowboys, you can't waste a pick on a guy as a development guy. And you would have to trade up from where you're going to be drafting at to get something worthwhile. You can't do the Jordan Love thing. You know? Well, also, here's their thing. Let's say like, let's say that they did go with just Dak this season and then let him go at the end of the year. And the season was terrible. Let's say it just goes completely off the tracks. So bad that by the end of the year, Mike Zimmer's the head coach. Like it just completely goes south, you know? And so everybody knows that they're going into the draft next year to take a quarterback. And let's say they have like the, they have a top 10 pick, but they're not going to be top two or three, but they have a top 10 pick. And everyone knows that they're interested in a quarterback because they're going to move on from Dak. You draft a quarterback there and you throw him in as the starter the following season. Like the pressure that is on that player, like yeah. when have we even seen that in the social media era? When have we even seen that? Like how much pressure would be on that young quarterback, whoever it is? I don't care. Even if you took this year's draft class, let's say, you know, the Drake Mays, the Caleb Williams, the JJ McCarthy's, the uh, who else is up there? Uh, Jaden Daniels, like any Jay of those Daniels, guys. Yeah. yeah. And you throw them in there with the Cowboys. I mean, I'm not saying that guys couldn't do it, but there's just, it's not lost on me. And, and I know that he, Patrick Mahomes is clearly the best player in the NFL, but it's not lost on me that he did pretty much redshirt his first year in the NFL. And I think that that's kind of smart. I, 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 and especially when you're talking about a situation like the Dallas Cowboys. So I don't think that's their plan is to go into next season, potentially trying to draft quarterback in the top 10. But if it is, man, that would be wild. When's the last time that they've done that? Troy Aikman? Yeah. I mean, Jimmy's administration, for sure. Which, by the way, let's talk about Jimmy for a minute. Yeah, let's talk about that. Can I tell you how skeptical I am about... <laughs> um, let's just say any committee, which leads to a subcommittee, which leads to another subcommittee, or leadership councils, or advisory boards. I just got to say, man, all that stuff reeks of Dallas Cowboys branding and everything people are tired of with the Cowboys, honestly. The Cowboys are like the team that they're almost like they got so popular so fast and everyone has turned on them, you know, like not everyone, but like it's always had to have like the Yankees and Lakers vibe or whatever. But like just this whole thing about Cowboys fans are like, why are we doing? Why are we always like this? Yeah, Jimmy's word is being valued now all, all of a sudden. like, And that's a story. And I'm sitting here going, advisory boards? Like, what are we even talking about? Dude, that does not help you win football games. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I don't think it matters that much. I think that that wording is used so people think it's like Jerry sits down with all these outsiders and then comes back and that's how he makes his decisions in there. I don't buy that he listens. To, Jerry's always talked to a bunch of people. I just don't think that yeah. he's talked to Jimmy as much. And obviously the whole ring of honor thing has brought them two back together, which I think is a good thing. I mean, Jimmy Johnson is someone that a lot of people across the NFL 
you know, go down to the keys and, and, and off season spend time with Jimmy. I mean, he's one of the most brilliant football minds that have ever walked this earth. So I don't have any problem with that. I don't see Jerry Jones as someone who at the end of the day is listening to a Jimmy Johnson suggestion on something over a Will McClay suggestion. If, if, if I can put it in that context, the other thing I would say on that is, and maybe there are people like this. It would be fascinating because I'm not built this way, but like, I don't care how confident you are, like who doesn't rely on bouncing some ideas off someone else. Like, I don't care which GM you are. I don't care if you're what president of a company you are. Uh, I, you know, I, I feel like Michael Jordan needed Phil Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't sure. think that, and, and cause I, I think of him as like the greatest of the greats. And I'm one of these people that if anybody is the best at what they do to me and for the rest of my life, that person will always be the Michael Jordan of whatever they are. So I like using him as an example and he didn't do it on his own. And like me covering the Cowboys, I feel very confident that I know what's going on with the Cowboys. I write what I can write, but I don't write everything that I know because I also, you know, you, you got to walk a fine line with certain things. You can't share every single thing, you know, but I feel like I have a good grasp on it. That doesn't mean I can't talk to other people and go like, whoa, yeah, that was kind of a blind spot I had there. I didn't even think about that. That's a good, like, I don't think anybody's yeah. beyond that, but it, but it is a fascinating thing to think about I, I wonder like not just this football team but let's just take life in general musicians whatever like i wonder like how many people are out there where they just they don't listen to anybody else they just do their own thing all the time that are successful it, it would be fascinating i'd love to read about it because no. i don't have that confidence and it's not even it's not the input that bothers me it's the the nature okay so i'm gonna use an example of my uh, co-host on the show i do mike saroy and we're morning six to ten on ninety seven one the freak. Our show is called the Downbeat, and we need listeners. Um, um, our um, my, my co-host Mike Saroy is like, there's probably something that's going to be like known to us in the near future, and it's the starboard, and it's almost like the Ring of Honor. And here are all the people that are on the starboard, and Jimmy Johnson's been added to the starboard <laughs> council of people who Jerry like talks to. It's just like. It's just like insane. Like everything with this franchise has to be branded. Yeah, and this whole it's, it, <laughs> everything in our culture has turned into that. Though everything is merchandised or branded and over branded and over messaged. And the Cowboys, like I'm just sorry, like it's just not a story. If uh, you heard that uh, Andy Reid was getting some feedback from Jimmy Johnson. Um, <laughs> well, I was, uh, uh, Jamal Charles on, uh, yeah. you know, I was trying an old Chiefs player, right? Steve Bono weighed in, uh, you know, like, yeah. it, it's not a story. And here it is. And maybe Jerry and Jimmy, that story is just so huge that, yes, I also had, I was thinking like the whole like, uh, hey, we're going to put Jerry in the ring of honor. We we talked about it, like the buzz of that night. We knew a big, how about them Cowboys was coming. A big shout out to our podcast. Um, we knew that was coming and we knew the fans are going to be nuts. And the Cowboys came out in the second half ready to go. And I was like, man, they should save the Jimmy Johnson ring of honor thing for the playoffs. Now, the NFL may not allow that, <laughs> maybe. But man, what, no, what no. great did they really play that, great in that game? Can't hurt, right? Hey, did, did they really play that great in that game? Here's a question. No, no but it, but the <laughs> game, game kind of turned after the first half. Yeah. Okay, I'll get it. And then that. they still should have lost. Is that yeah. very weird? <laughs> we are aware <laughs> that uh, they're filming a television show right now, too. Oh, yeah. Big part of that, I would imagine. I think, it, I think that's uh, that's a part of it. You know, got to have some laughing convos with Jimmy 
in the in the documentary. Set give that narrative more, straight. Give us some more behind the scenes information, Kent. Well, I can <laughs> I can tell you I can tell you this. Uh, the most fascinating thing to that about it's that documentary. <laughs> the most fascinating thing about that documentary to me now uh, is certainly not what they were expecting. It's like, <laughs> wonder what kind of bow they put around that ending of the season. Yeah. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of buildup and a lot of scenes that they filmed throughout that year. I mean, I can't tell you how many practices I was out there at the star that, you know, you see the boom <laughs> mic around Jerry walking around and stuff like that, or just the way that they did the whole boom mic thing, walking around with Jerry and Jimmy when we were in Charlotte. And I'm just like, man, they got a lot of great content and all that. And so I bet you, you know, a lot of positive spin and turn in the corner, been this long. So they want to, yeah. and then they lay that egg to the backers. Like I'm well, going to be a, put a spin on that. It's going to be a narrative arc of it's going to start out with Jerry firing Jimmy. And it's going to end with them walking off into the sunset, best friends again. You know, type of thing. Or, well, just got an email. Netflix has announced it's pushing back the Jerry Jones documentary until 25. <laughs> like, you know, you can see that happening, too. Like, <laughs> they push it back a year. It's like we go through it all again. Like, I wouldn't be surprised because they, they haven't announced a formal release date or anything. I don't think. No. So, yeah, but now that's that's all all interesting and on the table there. It's just crazy, man. This is this it's it is a just salt and McGriddles. And here's another I, and I question love it, though. I love it. Is, but it's crazy. If they do win a Super Bowl next year, the narrative's just gonna be, oh, so they win a Super Bowl after they bring Jimmy back into the fold. That's convenient. So that's not gonna work in Jerry's favor either. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll I'll be honest with you. I'm not gonna I probably won't write it this way if it if that did happen next year. But my big thought now that I'm on on this whole thing, I've told several friends about this that. If they, when they finally do win a Super Bowl, if they do, to me, it's just it's about law of averages. It's not even about anybody's yeah like success. It's just like well, eventually, like yeah, this. Right. I'm telling you, this Lions season changed everything for me on all that. Where I'm just kind of like, well, it also just speaks to it's the greatest league of parody. And eventually, if you just keep showing up, like you'll eventually do something. You know, like you you you'll eventually fall into something here. And, and which is a terrible strategy. Oh, the the two that I think of the most are this lion season and uh, the Bengals getting Joe Burrow, where you're just like, well, you keep hanging around. You don't necessarily don't even have to do anything better. You might just fall into it, you know? So, Hey, here we go. So. Oh, it's like, a, I don't know, man. I, I think about these teams and a lot of these teams too are making, making the most of some late round picks and things like that. The team that beat you had more, you know, rookie class production. The 49ers don't have a ton of draft picks as they've made, Draft picks for players. Chase Young's an example, and you can go through, you know, that list of like the Rams finding a way to get something, you know, like Puka Nakua, great, you know, whatever. And those are fines, and we can do the whole, you know, hits and misses in the draft. But I was go back to I, I think about this a little bit lately too, and I knew we were going to talk about Dak for a few minutes today. It's like, man, that Trey Lance trade at the time, I sure didn't have a problem with it, and now I'm kind of like, well, it does. It doesn't seem like they're real serious about developing him to be like a successor. Or something. Well, we'll know. I, I wouldn't say that yet. We'll know OTAs, mini camp, training camp. Because yeah. I think he'll be the guy that's out there. I expect to be getting two reps, and I do expect us to be at training camp. And you see him run with the ones a little bit, like because they're going to prepare for you know if they don't have Dak for a game or something like that happens. So I I just I don't know yet because he got added during the season, and it's tough to really get a read on that because the mm -hmm. ones they're going to get the reps with the ones, but OTAs, mini camp training camp i think it'll be interesting to monitor trey lance and and how he looks because uh that could that could be a a major storyline no question yeah i think honestly like 
for outside of the whole DAC, CD, Micah, which are just your obvious because they're to me the three best players on the team and uh, the three most important players. The Mozzie Smith slash Trey Lance training camp will be interesting to monitor to see how it like are you getting anything from these guys? Do these look like pieces that can be around here in the, in the future or were these big swings and misses? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's kind of transition there to free agents and things like that uh, because we're getting close here. What's up? Do you first date? You have the date in your in front of you? Free agency? I don't know. March. I, I was going to say thirteenth, somewhere around we're there. Two I don't week, know. two or three weeks away. Uh, obviously, there's been reported that Tyron Smith has kind of said that he wants to come back, or has at least alluded to him wanting to come back. 13th. Do you think they were happy enough with his uh, his production? Him to like want to <laughs> bring him back and. <laughs> I would imagine he's at a point in his career he'd take some sort of a discount, right? Ding, ding, ding. That right there is the key to the all these unrestricted free agents for the Cowboys. Out of those 16 unrestricted free agents, to me, I don't even think any of them are really that, that difficult of decisions. It's who's willing to take some hometown discounts. If you're not, appreciate your services. We're going to move in another direction. <laughs> and Tyron Smith, I don't get the sense at all that at this stage of his career – if he wants to continue playing in the NFL, it'll be for the Dallas Cowboys or it won't be for anyone. And so not to mention, we also have uh, some evidence called his last major contract that he signed, which is one of the most team friendly deals for an all pro level left tackle. So I would certainly think he'd be willing to take a somewhat team friendly one year deal. And because of that, uh, he becomes to me, number one priority out of all those unrestricted free agents. But like, you know, the Dante Fowlers, the Dorrance Armstrongs, like, you just can't spend on edge rushers. So the next guy for me would be Biotish. Uh, and that all comes down to what does McCarthy think? Does he, do they think that they can get a better center in the draft or is he willing to take something team friendly and they can just keep rolling with him? And then the other one would be, well, there's two others and that would be Stefan Gilmore and Tony Pollard. And again, Pollard's the exact same thing I just said. Uh, you know, you franchise tagged him last year. There's no chance you would franchise tag him again. If he's willing to play on a, on a somewhat team friendly deal, he could be in play. And same thing with Gilmore. Gilmore says he wants to be back. I would, I, if I'm the Cowboys, I would love to have Gilmore on one outside corner spot, Diggs on the other outside corner spot, and, and Bland on the inside. I think that's a fabulous 
you know, cornerback trio. I think you'd be, you'd be thrilled with that. You can still draft a guy cause that would only be a one-year deal probably on Gilmore. Um, but all of them have to be deals that make sense for you. Cause if they don't, you got to go in another direction. Yeah, no. And I think that's like, it's, it's not that different than their, their usual kind of strategy of kind of laying low in free agency anyway. And then you got to kind of see who you're going to bring back. Zimmer's probably going to have input. Zimmer's going to probably watch a ton of tape on Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler. And you can go through all those names of, you know, defensive guys who might come back. We know this team, you know, is going to need to do something at linebacker. Um, you know, linebacker and defensive tackle are the two ones that I, two spots I have my eyes on the most there. They'll figure something out on the offensive line. That, that one isn't as much of a concern for me as linebacker defensive tackle. If you say that Mike Zimmer can fix, fix those two positions, he's worth his contract alone just by doing that. I think we'll assume that, um, Van Der Esch will be done. Right. I mean, I don't know. He's the, the next stuff. I don't, it'd be weird to think he would be coming back. I don't know, but I mean, uh, but even if he, KT, even if he does, though, are you sitting there saying, oh, well, Van Der Esch is back. We'll get him for a full season in playoffs. Like, not I still all. think that you have, and then Overshown coming off the knee. And then you factor in, when you look at all of Dane Brugler's great draft coverage here as we head into Combine Week, this just isn't one of those drafts that that is very deep at linebacker, particularly ones that you would, you know, like, you know, like in the previous years, you know, there's been like sure. the Quay Walkers and, and Devin Lloyd. And last year there was Jack Campbell, like guys you consider in the first, there's not even a guy that you're considering in the first round here. That's where that talent levels. No, that could be good for the Cowboys because their second round pick, they might not end up getting the best off the ball linebacker in the draft class, but also in the second round, getting that guy is that guy as a rookie ready to come in there and just fix all your problems there. Maybe, I mean, maybe him, Clark Overshone, maybe that's enough and that fixes it there. But, I'm, but it makes me wonder with the way this draft class is and how they have to hit because they don't have anything beyond this season. Makes me think that they're going to go after somebody either via trade or in free agency, a veteran linebacker. Off the no, I, I don't so. know who it's going to be, but yeah. <laughs> Get ready for the the uh, Bobby Wagner discourse on Twitter again. Hey, if um, the price is right, come on down. Well, I think uh, Jordan Hicks is a guy too who we know from playing for the Eagles for all those years. Who's with the Vikings now? He done a lot of time with uh, Mike Zimmer or anything, but a guy who durable doesn't miss a lot of games can kind of, you know, uh, if you needed to can, can wear the green dot, that type of thing, which, you know, Micah kind of handles that right now, but like, that's all types or my, uh, that's the type of stuff that I'm kind of like, we'll get their linebacker cheap. And I like that. Defense tackle can be cheap now high end no but they can be cheap for what they're looking for i would imagine is run stopping defensive tackles i doubt that philosophy changes with mike zimmer here and you know you always just think of the linville joseph uh guy uh, you know build style of play guy the jonathan hankins style of play guy i think that's probably what they're going to want something like that always for it's cheap funny. It's we're funny discount movie. shopping we're the cowboys like that's what happens when you, say, when you say defensive tackle, all I have in my mind right now is how at 24, I don't think they're going to get a player that's going to come in and have this tremendous impact. I feel like if you're able to get like an offensive lineman that has the Tyler Smith type impact where you're, there's going to be some growing pains, but it's more about, hey, we got a left tackle of the future. Or we got our center of the future, or all this other stuff. But the one thing that could happen that could get Cowboys fans, I think, really excited would be Mozzie Smith looking dominant in training camp where it was just like, whoa, where did this second year jump come from? Because it would fix so many things and it could make so many other parts of the team look so much better. 
But do, from what you saw this past season, are you expecting anything close to that? I'm not. And uh, this is the thing with, that happens with some players, though. They they come into the league and they're just not ready in the beginning. They need to get stronger. They have to do these things. And the bust rate goes up with those guys. But I think of guys like, for instance, Taco was a guy who I'm, I'm going to use Michigan examples here to, because that might help. Taco was a guy who we were like, okay, well, first year might not be great, but I think he's going to put it all together. You know, look at his his length, his build, all that stuff. And you go, it never happens. Rashawn Gary was the guy who I was like, why is he being drafted in the top 15? He did hardly anything at Michigan. He's got a long way to go. Bad first year in Green Bay. And then by year two, you're like, okay, you can see it now. <laughs> so, like – I don't know. Well, I let's stick with that tough. then real quick. Let's stick with Green Bay real quick. Kenny Clark uh, started two games, played 16 his rookie year, and then he started 15 games his second year. Do you, what did you think of Kenny Clark his rookie year in 2016 comparatively to obviously where he is now? Yeah, he hardly played. So it's like, you didn't know. Yeah, now he's one of the best players. So it's like, yeah. you know, you, you start asking yourself, what would I do without him? You know, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I could see them just going and it, I, I don't know. I don't do not know what Mike McCarthy, um, Dak. I don't know what all those guys think of Tyler Biotish, but it does feel like okay. I can replace offensive line in the first round. We know we nail that. Where else are we bargain shopping? Now, can I throw out? Because we'll have time to to cover this. We get a little closer to. Can can I throw out a, a, a sexy fun position that we could talk about that also yes. doesn't cost any money? Running back. Yeah, dude. There's some names that have been attached to the Cowboys that are available. And I don't think they would cost anything because running backs don't cost anything anymore. And much like linebacker, it's also a position that doesn't sound like there's even a first round draftable graded player out of this class. That might change with the combine week, but this looks like again, that this could be where you might get, have good value in the second, third round for obviously if you're drafting a back there, it's somebody that you think comes in day one and starts. But, yeah, yeah. No Gibbs or Bijan no. this year. Um, you ready for some names here? Dalvin Cook. That was tied to the Cowboys as little as a month ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Devin Singletary, who they allegedly liked when he was coming out of the draft back then. I think he was a thirty-day visit um, uh, from Louisiana Tech. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be available. And I'm in the boat of he has something left because he wasn't used that often. He just got hurt in that first year. They had some issues and, you know, they went other ways at running back in Kansas City. Uh, you're going to see Josh Jacobs thrown out there. I feel like that that name is I saw that someone threw that out there. I think it was. Uh, he seems expensive. Yeah, I was like that. They're not going to do that. I don't think. Because I do think they're still going to be like more committee style. Absolutely. Like the whole Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs stuff. Like I just think that while that makes sense, I just don't see this Cowboys front office spending on running back to the level that it would take to get one of those guys. I could see them giving Dalvin Cook $2 million and, and some in- There you go. There you I go. I can see yeah. them giving $2 million. I can see them giving Tony Pollard. <laughs> For sure. I, where do you I have to at, say the word Zeke? Do I have to say Zeke? Where are you at? On, you can say it. Where are you at on? I'm I'm a big believer that they need to get someone with some size. I'm a big fan of Trey Benson from Florida State, but 
I just think that if you get a back that's got some size to him, that that's a good complement to what you already have on the roster with a Deuce Vaughn, with some of the things Turpin can do. You know what I'm saying? Like getting somebody that has some size, I think should be very high on, on their list. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I know I, I, I <laughs> okay. So if you're going this route at running back, I think you should try in some form to upgrade your passing game a little bit. Okay. Now, what they do with Gallup is going to be interesting. I personally don't see them. I I, I don't see, I, I see them getting cut personally, but maybe they they try it. So I'd like to do something there. And there's some interesting wide receiver names out there that could be cheap. And we're talking about filling a hole at wide receiver three right now. Like I don't know, maybe they like some some people who have a little uh, something to offer. Maybe they like. Odell Beckham, who's available again, but he's not going to, you know, play a ton. Maybe they like a Tyler Boyd type. You know, I don't know what they're thinking when it comes to wide receiver. I tend to think they're probably thinking about doing nothing there. Yeah, I don't think you can do. I don't think you can do much if you don't get that deck contract extension done. Yeah, no, that's true. And then maybe that's where it all. But I think, I think they want us to talk about the deck extension, and I think they're going to end up doing it. Yeah. Right. So they're going to drag it out. We'll talk about it, and they'll do it. Uh, size is a compliment, yes, but size can't just be that's all they are. <laughs> you know, like do they bring anything else outside of size? I don't know. Mm, well, I mean, like a guy like Trey Benson, he's got some decent speed to him. He can pass protect a little bit. He can do a little bit in the passing game too, but I mean, the size part of it uh, compared to some of these other running backs where if you already had somebody, let's say Zeke was still on this roster, then you're looking for more of like a Tony Pollard to compliment him. You know, well, I just, like, I, the way I looked at the running backs this year, like yeah, Rico, I guess was that guy, the bigger guy like that. So maybe, maybe they look at Rico like, and maybe I'm just not giving Rico enough credit because the offensive line wasn't that good. And so we never really got to see him really hit his stride and maybe they never committed to him enough. So that's all on the table too. But I'm saying if they draft a guy, I don't really think they need to be drafting a smaller guy. They need to be getting a guy that can get, you know, 15, 20 carries a game and can get that yard or two when obviously everybody in the stadium knows that they need a yard or two. Yeah, no, and I I mean I agree with you on that, but the the uh like if you're if if you if you say size and you immediately go, well, Jerry's gonna want to bring Zeke back, or the Dalvin Cook thing I do think is legit, and Dalvin Cook has size a little bit of size at this point in his career. But I was so good. If we're going to do that, then I can draft a running back in round six. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> there are dudes who can like, you can just kind of take late who might give you something. You can say the same thing about burst in round six too. You know, if you're drafting off a trait there that you just kind of need to complement the whole thing that you already have, if that's how they're approaching it. And yeah, I think you can just do that in the draft and not spend a dime on it. But running back may be the reverse value now. Like, They've been devalued so much that you go, yeah, I'll go to the clearance rack and sign a running back. Absolutely. And I'll give the, their best offer was three. Okay, I'll give them five. Or And you get a better player than what they would have been valued three or four years ago. So, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to know about their philosophies on a defensive standpoint right now. You don't think they're going to change too much because the core is already there. This whole team, the core is already there. We're essentially shopping for the just the necessities to fill out the the roster, which is a good place to be in, as uh, bad of a place uh, Cowboys fans might be in right now with like how everything went. 
It's where you want to be. You don't want to be the Arizona Cardinals with a shit ton of a salary cap space just going, yeah, we got a ton of money. We can kind of do whatever with. <laughs> like You don't want to do that. So I don't know, man. I kind of end up, I end up though knowing with full expectation that Cowboys Twitter is going to be ablaze the week of free agency with their Stephen Jones doing nothing again. Like that's coming. Yeah. And the money I, I would be surprised be, if it's not. Yeah. And the money's tied up. We know, like we know this, maybe that's the thing about this team that might be so frustrating now because I mean, working in sports talk for 10 years and you're, you guys have been around it forever. You guys know all this, but like, sometimes we get the whole, like y'all don't talk about the, we're tired of you talking about the Cowboys. And I'm sorry, the Dallas Stars just start bringing enough headlines. No offense, Sod. They're not bringing the headlines that the Cowboys are. Where oh, well, one neither. Fart neither. The wind, and neither are the Rangers who won the championship. You know, yeah, so but, it's like. But I, I'm telling you right now, like, I'm a big college basketball fan. That's exactly what you just said, though, is the exact the difference between Duke and UConn. UConn has won five national championships since 1999. They're right now. Winning wise, they're the best program over the last 25 years in college basketball. They don't have much of a fan base at all. So nobody really talks about them. They're the favorite to win it all again this year, but they're down in Houston last year for the final four and they can't even fill out their student section. San Diego state's filling out their student section, you know, like you can't, you know, Florida Atlantic's filling out their student section. You're just like, wait, what's going on here? So some teams people just don't care about. And the Cowboys are a team that everybody always cares about. I was at an airport two days after the Super Bowl getting something to eat. And I look up on the TV and they're talking about the Cowboys at the top of an NFL show. I'm just like, eh, not on the chiefs Niners, maybe just playing the Super Bowl. Nothing. Nope. Cowboys. Yep. Okay. Here we go. They're fun to talk about, man. Absolutely. They get people care about them, whether they win or lose. And every team is not like that. And so because of that, that's the part where I will always say that's where you give Jerry Jones the most credit because he took something that was a big brand and he took it to a level that made it the biggest brand. And so he deserves credit for that. Now, it would be amazing to see what that could turn into if you also had the wins on the field to go with it. That would really get wild. So maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. Well, we will. Um, what do you think, Kent? We got combine coming up. A lot going on. So we'll be back when we're back. I don't know. I don't want to put a specific date on it yet. Free agency coming back in two or three weeks. And, uh, you know, if anything big happens, of course, we're always around for an emergency podcast or something like that. Keep following John uh, over on The Athletic. Assad couldn't make it. Congrats to him getting married uh, over the past couple weeks. And I wouldn't have said that if he hadn't have had put that out there. You know, uh, But Assad uh, covering those Dallas Stars as well. Is there on a playoff push? Make sure you... Keep following Sod and our producer, Kent Garrison. Kent, would you like to leave us with a couple of um, movie TV show recommendations before we get out of here? Yeah, I'll recommend a movie that John and I were talking about. This We Are the World documentary yes. called The Greatest Night in Pop. Uh, the Fantastic. listener will love that. By the way, John, we need your review of the halftime show. Yes. Oh, yes. Sure. Um, yeah, we I always do was- this. I thought it was I thought it was solid. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't have any complaints. I, I you know what it was one of those where I will say uh, all of it when I come. Well, I don't know. I feel like it is for a lot of people. You judge a halftime show before it even happens by how much you like the artist. And Usher has a lot of great songs, so I thought it would be pretty good, and it was pretty good. Uh, I guess the 
other way I would I would put this is not really a huge Lady Gaga fan. Don't really have anything against her. Um, I like some of her songs. But then when I her halftime show of the Super Bowl when it was in Houston, I was really surprised because I thought it was amazing. And um, I thought it was great. And I didn't expect that. Rihanna, big fan, like a lot of her songs. Didn't know she was going to be pregnant doing that. And so <laughs> yeah. obviously it wasn't a lot of movement. So uh, it wasn't as an exciting of a halftime show as I was expecting. So I would say that this one, it didn't exceed and it didn't disappoint. I thought it was right where I kind of expected it to be. I always have to remind myself that when you talk about these things, it's like, you know, 30 years ago, they were running out Dan Aykroyd and the Blues Brothers, you know, for a halftime show. So we have to like, remember, there's not been that much of them. So like, uh, Levi Weaver required reading on The Athletic as he ranked all the halftime shows and then uh, before the show and then after the Usher show, he inserted Usher in. Spoiler, put Usher in the top 10. I won't tell you where. You can go find that. Levi Weaver obviously doing great work on mm-hmm. the, the Windest newsletter. People are going to go look at it. Just What did he have number one? Uh, Prince. Okay. I figured Which that. I but it's pretty yeah. universal, honestly. Yeah. I mean... I'm sure you get a few like, people I think would come at you with uh, the Michael Jackson one from long ago. If you look at the Michael Jackson set list, you might you might think twice about that. Um, yeah, I rewatched that one. It was not great. He does it's not great. He does Billy Jean, I think, at the beginning and black or white or Billy like I, a clip of Billy Jean. Then he does black or white, which is his new single. And then he does like a kind of a we are the world thing where yeah. he gets a bunch of you know, people from around the world to do like an inspirational tune for like the second for whole the second half of it. But I for will the- say probably the most memorable Super Bowl halftime show moment is, oh, that's probably the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson. But number two that's is sure. for me is probably the way they shot Michael Jackson out of that stage. And he just stood there without moving mm-hmm. for like a minute straight with his sunglasses on just staring. And you think about how they try and wedge so many songs for an artist in these halftime shows. Cause they're so short that you're only getting like maybe even a half a verse of some of these hit songs. This dude stood up there for a full minute and just stared while people lost their minds because he was like by far the biggest thing in music, anything at that time. Uh, I will never forget watching that as a kid being just like, Holy shit. Like I think that, they, I, some Cowboys said that they, didn't even go into the locker room at halftime because they wanted to watch Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, to Jimmy me, Michael, in the Super Bowl. To me, there's nothing that's on the level of his fame and Michael Jordan's fame. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. You're right on that. When you and, see and Michael like, Jordan in person and the way people react to Michael Jordan, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. We'd never seen anything like that, too, at that time for a halftime show. For sure. That was going down. I um, like this trend of nostalgia acts that aren't too old. Like these mid two thousands nostalgia acts, I I kind of like that. Well, because so I'm excited on who they're going to pull out next year. A nostalgia act is choosing them. <laughs> so yeah, I mean Jay Z is picking these artists for the most part. Yeah, I mean they have a little bit of a council there, but you know, no offense, but Jay Z's I didn't hear Jay Z's last album. If it's absolutely killer, then I'll take it back. I think I'm a nostalgia act, but I think he is at this point. Yeah, um, I mean Doctor Dre, Stoop Dog, Fifty Cent. Alicia well, Keys. I mean, these are all people we grew up on. So, well, what, current, what current act can you really put out there outside of Taylor Swift, Beyonce? Like, I mean, is is Billie Eilish going up there? And and are people that do they have enough of a fan base that? No. Yeah, I don't think so yet. 
I mean, could, but I think Taylor Swift is the only person that hasn't done it that would make the most sense. Yeah, I agree. And she may not do it, <laughs> you know? She or, may be like, or maybe or she's o- in now, you know? Yeah. Or Oasis. Bring back talking. Oasis. Where's the Super Bowl next year? They're just up there fist fighting. I think it's New Orleans. Orleans. Okay. There's two brothers up there fist fighting. Don't even play a single song. <laughs> yeah. Wonderwall's just kind of the backing band just playing it, and they're ha- going full celebrity death match. Love it. Love it. Well, I thought the roller skates were incredible. Yeah. And that was I mean, that was good. Uh, yeah, it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Wonderful game. Couldn't ask for more. And Loving this club. Total banger. Seven months. I mean, yeah. Oh, he's got a lot of bangers. He does, but that one hit like especially yeah. hard. The one I didn't he did do a couple of repeats from the from the AT&T Stadium Super Bowl when, you know, when uh, the Black Eyed Peas were the headliner. That's so wild to me. I didn't love that, but I did think it was a great show, and and I, I would probably easily insert it into my top 12. The Black Eyed Peas, huh? No, 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 no. The Usher. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not the Black Eyed Peas. No. And that was one of the worst, actually, in my mind. And I rewatched these a couple of years ago. What it's was insane. Watch them all. They ran out Shania Twain into No Doubt into Sting one year. I mean, the NFL has done a lot mm. of weird stuff. To so check check all that out. That's enough of us. Though. We'll be back next time <laughs> on About Them Cowboys. For John, for Kent, for uh, me, Kevin. We'll probably have Sod next time. Feel free to holler at us on uh, Twitter or X, formerly called Twitter, whatever. You know, any Cowboys questions? Be like interacting with you all the time when it comes to that stuff as well. And as always, if you see our podcast, like it, give it a good rating. You know, that could make a difference in this world. Just like, you know, when you knock over a glass of water, that makes a difference in how your night's going. So just make sure you're doing all that stuff if you would. We'd love that. And we'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys. Uh, We've got the players. We're going to add more players.